In this episode of What is Life, my philosophical conversation is with a Catholic theologian whose name is Ilia Delio. Uh, she's a prominent academic. She's written many award-winning books. And I'm particularly interested in her ideas because she's been profoundly influenced by Pierre Terre de Chardin, who was a Jesuit priest, also a scientist, and he developed a real pioneering evolutionary spirituality, which sought to unite science and spirituality, um, which I think is a precursor for my own, which also is attempting to unite science and spirituality. It's just I don't know as much about it as I probably should. So this was a real opportunity for me to learn about Thiers' ideas, how they've influenced Ilya, and to find the similarities and differences between my own uh, understanding and the understanding that that uh, he was presenting. And it's interesting to reach across to someone in the Catholic tradition, which um, I do do, but not very much, and to see how rich it is. And there's a, there's a lovely irony in the conversation that you're heading into, where at the end, I find myself in a conversation with a Catholic theologian, where I'm the one arguing for the existence of life after death. So you're in for a great ride. Uh, and I hope you really enjoy it. But before we go, I just want to leave you with a quote, because you may think I've never heard of, of uh, Thierry de Chardin, but you may have heard this quote, because it's very famous. There's many famous quotes from him, actually. Uh, and it's beautiful. And at the end of our conversation, we both agree it's one of our favourite quotes. So as we head off into this philosophical journey, um, I wanted to leave you with these lines uh, from Pierre de Chardin, this, he was the sort of man that could leave us with this vision. He says, Someday, after mastering the winds, the waves, the tides and gravity, we will harness for God the energies of love. And then, for a second time in the history of the world, man will have discovered fire. Beautiful. Hello. Thank you for joining me for this conversation. Um, the idea behind this series is really to capture authentic exploration, really. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I'm sort of reaching out to people who I feel like myself have probably spent their whole lives looking at what the hell is this that we're in? What's this experience of being alive? Mm -hmm. And these conversations really are about comparing notes and actually mm -hmm. um, questioning, finding back from each other, questioning each other. Now, I have to confess up, the, up front, I mean, I really want to connect with you, Ilya, and hear what mm -hmm. you've made of this. Yeah. But I have, a, I have another motivation, which is better if you know, and it's better if I say it now, which is, um, I was talking to a friend of mine um, who is a uh, Catholic priest in, in Ireland who invited me across there to do some work with his amazing group of explorers. Um, and I was talking to him about Pierre Terre de Chardin, who people keep telling me, and the little I know, see, I really, really resonate with, with, with what he says. Oh, uh -huh. So I was looking for also somebody who'd been profoundly influenced by him and Miles suggested yourself. And so oh. I, I, that's why I reached out and went, oh, I wonder if you'd have a conversation with me. <laughs> Just Mrs. Teilhard de Jardin, or Sister Teilhard. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, he is very influential. 
Um, yeah, I'd be happy to to share. I've done a lot of work with Teilhard actually, and I run a I run a website called the Omega Center, which is um, it's it's focused, you know, using Teilhard's key ideas on God and evolution and the energies of love um, to build up a new understanding of the God world relationship and the place of the human person in that um, unfolding dynamic um, world. So uh, a lot of my blogs and stuff are there. And then I've written a number of books on this stuff. Yeah, continue to work building up. But my, my whole thing is building on Teilhard for the 21st century. Fantastic. Yeah. So, well, let's just dive in straight with that, Ilya. I mean, what the question that I framed to around this series is what is life or, you know, it's the biggest question I can come up with, you know, life, the universe and everything as the famous right. joke goes. What, 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 what is, what do you, how would you describe your understanding of what we're experiencing? Uh, the, the present crisis? No, 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 sorry. I mean, much more generally. <laughs> we could go for that, but I just mean the whole crisis. From birth to death. Yeah, I mean, it's a good starting point, actually, because it's what we're not doing. And I think the crisis is... Um, problematic of a radical disconnect, um, not just of humans to humans, but humans to earth and uh, religion to science. And I think we have been in this kind of quagmire, uh, rather sort of a suspended, you know, um, mental state of kind of Cartesian life, you know, where we have a thinking self and then some material self, but we don't know how these selves might actually fit together. Um, and we built a world around, I think, a, a, a compartmentalized existence. And I think that is how we have run in, and we're going to run into more pandemics. This is just, this is just the beginning, because this is about 400 years in the making, or 500 years in the making. I don't think this pandemic is a recent, you know, some little thing in Wuhan, China. Um, this is uh, emblematic and problematic of uh, lifestyles and capitalism, you know, in words, the way consumerism has filled in a lot of what was once the place of religion. So I think uh, consumerism, technology, these have, in a sense, um, filled in the gaps where religion has sort of failed, so to speak, to really animate our lives. And that's where I think Teilhard is very helpful, uh, because he saw very early on that unless we get you know, religion back to, you know, the physical universe and evolution in particular, he said, we're going to run into real problems up ahead. And he did say at one point, I mean, writing back in the 1940s, that we could face annihilation if we do not understand the role of religion in evolution. Yes, I, well, I, I, that, I very much resonate with the, with the essential message with, with that, which, because what I'm hearing, well, if you, when you said about compartmentalization, um, I think the thing which attracts me to what I've read of what you've said and, you, and, and what um, Tiad's saying is, it feels like this, this amazing idea of that the whole universe is a process, that the whole universe exactly. is evolving. That feels mm -hmm. like the narrative that can hold everything together if we can understand it in a deep enough way, including spirituality or religion and, and science. Right, and that's exactly right. I mean, if, and by saying it's a process, that, that, that kind of statement is very consonant with what science is telling us yeah. about the physical universe. And I think, you know, we, we uh, have really fallen, we have allowed science 
to become a highly specialized discipline and we've exonerated ourselves from paying attention to what science has been telling us about the physical universe and about matter. And, and therefore we have sort of allowed ourselves to be swept up into all sorts of philosophies and theologies that have little to do with the physical world, you know? And so um, process is, I mean, how cosmic biological life for sure, right? It works according to systems and not according to individual entities. So relationality is the operative word yes. of life itself. Yes, yeah. I mean, that, that well, it's interesting. You've jumped straight with that word. I mean, I would say from the way that it looks to me now, one of the ways I describe this is the one in relationship to itself. That's what it feels it is. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's that it's one thing in a infinite relationships with itself through everything, including you and me. Yes, right. Mm -hmm. And then all of, you know, space, time, energy, these are all relationships. Absolutely. I mean, you know, like early on, you can, um, uh, one, one of the people that I look to is David Bohm and his notion of implicate order, mm -hmm. you know, and that was one of Bohm's key ideas that in its deep relationality through and through. And he said, you know, at one point, you know, we seem separate. And he said, but that's more of an illusion. You know, in our cosmic roots, he says, we're part of an indivisible whole and we all share in the same cosmic process. Meaning if you trace, you know, human life back to its cosmic roots, its very fundamental roots, um, then it is an entangled whole of, of energy. You know, that's really what we are by, in our very rootedness. And so the way we have, so it's very interesting, the way evolution has proceeded toward more complexified life. You know, that, you know, if we move from the Big Bang onwards, we see this, we see this almost irresistible force towards greater complexity, meaning towards greater uh, degrees of relationality, which is what complexity really is in terms of you know, and then the, the flow of um, the flow of life in terms of information is across, you know, relational lines so that yeah. as life complexifies, uh, consciousness seems to rise. I mean, you know, that's something that Teilhard noted, but then, uh, uh, you know, Wolfgang uh, Pauli noted, um, Planck, no I mean, a lot of the this early physicists noted this as well. And so that's very interesting. If we are one, you know, what is it about, you know, Teilhard was, well, what drives this? What, why do we complexify? I mean, that's a huge question that science has not answered at all. You know, why does this thing keep moving? And where are we moving toward? And of course, many scientists would, you know, discredit that there is direction in evolution. Evolution is just a process. But you can't help but notice, you know, we are homo sapiens sapiens, right? We're not Neanderthals, we're not Australopithecines, you know, um, so there's something about uh, biological life that keeps irresistibly moving towards something, and that really is what grabbed um, Teilhard, you know, and the question is toward what, you know, if there is, is there a goal that's, is there something that's pulling us, you know, is there, if we are all one, why don't we just kind of rest in that, you know, why don't we just kind of settle into our oneness, um, and there's something there that's not just of materiality alone. And that's what's interesting about the whole thing. You know, why don't we just hang out with nature and feel at peace with ourselves, with one another, and, you know, learn to get along and be compassionate and kind and peaceful. And, 
<laughs> and yet, no, we're reloading. Where you know, we want to, we want to become something more than ourselves. We're not happy with ourselves. Um, you know, technology is, you know, certainly in the transhumanist side of things, is like, no, you don't have to suffer. You don't have to die. You don't even have to be unhappy. You know, we'll, we're, we're gonna, you know, implant chips in you. We're gonna brain download you. We're gonna, you know, improve you all around. Well, why? Why do we need to be improved? if we are already part of this cosmic wholeness. So these are some of the things that sort of drove Teilhard to think there's something else going on here. You know, if this is it, you know, if it truly is just materiality, you know, um, self-sufficient materiality, it doesn't seem to be at home with itself, you know, or, or um, you know, nature's at home with itself. We're not at home with ourselves, you know. Uh, so it's, it's kind of interesting, just, you know, from the point you know, bracketing any theological perspective here. It's just very interesting from a philosophical perspective, you know, what drives being to, toward more being. Uh, well, all right, I'll have a stab at saying what I see and you tell me if this is anything close to what you see. Okay. Um, what I see is when I look at the moment, I see that the nature of time, if you like change, whatever you call that, the, the, is such that every moment realizes a new possibility that's never happened before. And it's built on and implicit within it is the previous moment. So that this moment now is a new moment, but contains within it implicitly all of the past. Mm -hmm. So the past hasn't um, gone anywhere. It's right here. It's implicitly here. So that you've had what, you know, at least the last 13.8 billion years, who knows what before that, but for the 13.8 billion years of the universe, there's been a process in which uh, something which I just call being, which exists and has no qualities, is taking on every quality. And, and each moment seems to be the realization of potentiality on a greater level yeah. based on what's happened before. So that the very motor towards emergence and complexity but not just complexity because sometimes it simplifies but is still more emergent mm -hmm. is because it contains within it everything a bit like you and me you know we've got yeah. older we've been around the block and we've got everything we've ever experienced in us is what we are and yeah. therefore we have a more emergent uh, perspective than maybe when we were 15. yeah yeah no no i i, I would definitely agree with your position tim I do think, you know, it's kind of interesting, uh, the whole question of time, you know, um, does time create us or do we create time? You know, I do think the role of consciousness here uh, plays a really, and consciousness I think is a key element to the whole kit and caboodle. Two things I would point out, consciousness and creativity. I think the ground of this becoming is, is the dynamism of creativity itself. Um, and so there's something about creativity and the rise of consciousness that speaks to this emergent process, right? This em that everything we are in this moment is taken up into the next moment, um, but with a whole new level of consciousness and creativity, right? We don't lose what we were before, but we're not we're not what we were in the previous, you know, in the previous moment. So, so there's when something... you say it has more consciousness, you, you talk about that just in the biological sphere, or do you see consciousness right the way through? What, what do you mean by consciousness? Can, yeah, I don't think we can separate human consciousness from 
cosmic consciousness. So, so I take consciousness as that um, awareness which is supported by a flow of information due to, um, uh, I think just, um, I see, let me just put it this way. I see a relationship between consciousness, information, and relationality. Oh, me too. I love those three words, especially information and relationality. Mm -hmm. They're big words for me. Go on. Right. So, I mean, how many people are working on the problem of consciousness, right? We don't know what exactly it is. And is it something as fundamental as space-time, you know, or is it something? You know, is it a thing? I think it's is a relationship. It, I think it is too. I think, you know, again, you know, the question of consciousness is fundamental because how we understand consciousness, I think, is how we understand uh, this emergent process of life. There's something... You can't get away from consciousness, right? You can't even, there's nothing you can talk about in terms of emergent biological life apart from consciousness. So there's a fundamental reality of consciousness that drives all of life. Um, and so, you know, I mean, we can't talk about matter apart from consciousness. We can't even talk about ourselves apart from consciousness. We can't talk about God apart from consciousness. So there's something about consciousness that is, you know, I mean, the Hindus kind of point to this, you know, where there's notion of pure consciousness or Buddhism with this notion of, you know, kind of getting to that pure state of consciousness. So there's something that the Eastern religions, I think, tapped into, you know, centuries ago that we might just be discovering in a whole new way. So I, 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 I'm going to slightly divert us, if you don't mind. I would like to go back to that. And, and it's partly because... Um, I've just made a major transition and people have heard me talk about it an awful lot recently okay. from someone who thought that based on Eastern spirituality to someone yep. who doesn't think that anymore. Okay, good. And, and, and I, I have a very different take on consciousness than the one that I've put in most of my 35 books. So basically okay. I've been busily disagreeing with <laughs> oh. myself uh, and it's yeah, a kind of a, a humbling <laughs> process. Um, but before, and I do would like to, to return to that, but I just want to just get clarity on, a few things that you feel perhaps and, uh, and certainly what Tia was saying that so I understand so when I when I look at the evolutionary process to me the problem with the problem that science has to me is is reductionism oh that it, yes that it wants sure. to reduce the more emergent to the less emergent whereas the new scientific narrative is the opposite it's emergent it goes look th there's that and more and it can't be Correct. reduced there's that mm -hmm. and more and that that process has gone into, you know, has gone from 10, 10 billion years of matter to 4 billion years of um, uh, life evolving. And then it's ended up with psyche, right. soul, the psyche, right. the, thing mm -hmm. that, the thing that we're connecting in right now, the non-material right. imaginal space. Now, right. that's very important to me because that's how you can pull together spirituality, which is concerned with the imaginal space, mm -hmm. the non-physical and, and, and I want to assert the reality of that, not as a byproduct of anything, but a, as a reality in its own right. Now, I'm aware that Tia has this phrase, the newest sphere. Yes. Uh -huh. Now, I have this phrase, the imaginos, because it's like the cosmos and the imaginos. And mm -hmm. one, one is made of imaginal information and has arisen from the physical and biological realms, which are made of physical and biological information. Right. So I'd like to... I'd like to know what you made of his idea of the, the newosphere and what that means yeah. to you. So, so Terrence, newosphere is that layer of what he called thinking mind, or we can call 
the higher layer of consciousness, but, but it's not something distinct from the biosphere. Oh, okay. So it, it emerges from out of the biosphere and is a continuation of it. So it's a continuation of biogenesis on a higher level of life, um, now on the level of thinking mind. Um, and so new genesis is just really, I, I would just put it as higher levels of consciousness, you know, of biological life. Biological so he sees that as, a, as, as, as an effect of biology or as... Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, he sees the new genesis emerging out of biological life and a continuation with it. So he would not pause it. I mean, I'd see sometimes that people have this newsphere as something that's a thinking layer that's broken off from biogenesis. We don't need the biosphere anymore. Now we have, you know, the mind. That's definitely not what he's saying, you know, because so, he so, holds the whole thing together in this notion of Christogenesis. The whole thing is this personal presence of, of God Omega. You know, he sees this power of divinity, you know, as the, the power of love and conscious love, you might say, driving the whole thing. Okay, so that's the idea of the Omega point or the, or the, or the Christ? Yeah, So, so how does that link to the newosphere? Say what that is for you and how that yeah. links to the newosphere. So I think, you know, the Omega point, I think, is misunderstood often. I think people see it as a point of arrival, as if you've arrived at the North Pole, you know, <laughs> like, welcome to the Omega point. <laughs> the Omega point is that point in cosmic life where consciousness is maximized. And, of course, by that, we mean the maximization of consciousness is the full disclosure or realization of God, right? So... Teilhard does never, he never mixes God, he doesn't collapse God, you know, into materiality, but neither is God separate from materiality. So he holds God and, and world in this complementary relationship. They need each other, they are in a sense inseparable, but they're distinct. So he has what... So what did, what's, sorry, Elliot, what does he mean by God? He means uh, by God that personal presence uh, of, um, I would put it this way, the personal presence of life at the heart of life. In other words, traditionally the creator, but he never uses, he very rarely uses that language. Of but it creator. is a creator. It is the creator. You know, the, for, is it the, 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 uh, the big yeah. bang is the button is pressed by God. Is that the kind of, uh, no. Yeah. He, so prayer would never discredit science. In other words, he would never collapse like the Big Bang, like, and God said, let there be light. You yeah, know? yeah. That's just bad theology and bad science, right? Okay, good. Yes, I agree. So, so, so God is always the infinite horizon, the, the, um, the ground, when we use the word ground of being, the necessary ground. In other words, that which no greater can be thought, the Anselmian idea, that um, uh, that which is the unlimited horizon of all limited existence, because even the infinite of created existence is always finite, right? So you can have the, the, the finite infinite, so to speak, but God is that which is beyond the infinite. So I would take God as the beyond anything that we say about creation. For Teilhard, God is that just that personal absolute, absolute is a good word here because um, it connotes something that cannot, that has no contingent boundaries, right? To the absolute ground or the absolute horizon of being itself is God. Um, and you said earlier that that's going, this, this, um, this is I'm intrigued by, is the, um, that the, the, it was going to the, the full realization of that. Yeah, because God, you know, if we take God as love, you know, the absolute being in love, well, love 
is the fullness of consciousness, right? The absolute being of love is the absolute being of consciousness itself. So love and consciousness are two, not two separate poles. They're actually, it's like matter itself. They're two dimensions of the same reality. And I think when Tegar talks about the omega point, he is talking about coming into that full realization, that full consciousness of being in love. So in other words, as we grow into our, you know, what we are, and here, you know, Omega is then is the source of um, infinite um, creativity, potentialities to grow ever more into this um, higher consciousness of being in love. So that it's not just pure awareness, it's a pure awareness of being personally centered um, in one other than oneself, and yet the very source of oneself. Um, so, so, so does that, so, so, so let me just, if I can, I'll try and do it briefly, but just paint you a picture of the, the narrative that I've been exploring and you tell me whether that sounds similar or whether it's, there's some fundamental differences there mm -hmm. because, so for me, I, I, it troubles me to put God at the beginning oh, and, yeah. and, and the reason, the reason that for that, and I, I mean, obviously I used to like everyone, um, and, uh, there's been a switch for me because um, it feels like the parsimonious thing is to start with the bare minimum. Uh -huh. The bare minimum is not a conscious loving God. That feels like a lot. Whereas <laughs> if I start with what's the quality that everything's got? Oh, it's all got being. Okay, so let's start with that's the simplest thing I can possibly imagine is just yeah. being taking form. And the jump for me was, and it came actually from the idea of God is Alpha and Omega, which I wasn't to do with Teo for me, it was from the Gospel of Thomas, I think. But it was um, the what started to dawn on me whenever it was 10 years ago, or whatever, was the the that I have a relationship, I have all my life with some with a being of love that is God. Uh, but philosophically, if he start, if, you know, if God created all of this, I want words because this is a mess. And you know, I would and, agree. <laughs> you know, and really, it's like he's not very nice, and uh, you know, I've got trouble. But <laughs> if, on the other hand, the universe is is flowering into God, that God is the most emergent thing, not the that, not the least, but the most perfect. emergent. That really that, works for me. Yeah, that's absolutely. You're right in line with what Teilhard was thinking as well, quite honestly. So the term that Teilhard used is theogenesis. And, you know, it's a term. That's, oh, that's what he uses. I've got to write that down. That is so good. Correct. And um, his line of thinking. Um, now, I don't know if he was in touch with Carl Jung, but his line of thinking is, is very much along with Carl Jung posited as theogenesis as well. You know, the incarnation is this emergence of God in evolution. And, you know, as we emerge through consciousness, this, this being is, you know, in a sense, emerging in and through us as that fullness of conscious being in love itself. So God is not exactly, God is not, you know, like, ta-da, here I am. And then he makes his, he, you know, makes his creation and then it's such a mess. And then you go, what kind of God is this anyway? <laughs> yeah. Like, you yeah. God having a bad yeah. What's with the dinosaurs, God? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I take God as, you know, so actually I'm about to start a book um, called The God Revolution. And it's just exactly that, you know, I want That's to awesome. really, um, and the way I'm going to, 
I think approach this is um, rather than seeing, so the name God, I think is, it's, it's, it kind of throws us off because the name is singular and it points us to like, we, we constantly have this imaging of something bigger than ourselves. When in fact, God is relationality itself. That, I mean, the Trinity is the symbol of divine relationality. And so what Teilhard brought together was what he called Trinitization and Theogenesis. Now, if I were to just put this in a shorthand term, so it's, you know, it's the, oh, the old Greek idea, the many becoming one, or Whitehead's idea, the many become one and are increased by one. And I take that as the very process of Trinitization itself, that God is becoming God in and through this creation. So that creation is not something outside God or something God decided to do because God was bored with divine life, but, but creation is essential to God's godness. So that God is becoming God in and through this creation so yeah. that Trinity is not, is not this fully enclosed community of, you know, two birds and a dove or something. I don't know. You know, the three guys having a tea party. <laughs> that it is deep relationality. And we are, I mean, what if, I mean, yeah, I have a paper here by Jakob Boehm, you know, yep. the, uh, the yep. German, you know, um, and he talks about quaternization. Again, this is not, not a completely novel idea. Other mystics have talked about, yep. you know, this, and it makes a lot of sense. Trinity, just symbolically speaking, is an asymmetric number. You know, although like the medievalists always made it symmetrical, like there's two ends and then a center. But you can also see it as this, you know, like it's an openness. You have two with an open third. Um, and, and, that, and therefore, if this is God, the openness of God, then God is always seeking that completion in an other. So the otherness of creation is in itself, you know, at, contributing to that ever fullness of God. So in some way, we become, in a sense, the fourth dimension of the Trinity, um, which means oh. co so cosmic life, right? Cosmic as wholeness, the whole of life would include creation in the, in the fulfillment of God's godness. So, um, so one of the one of the the phrases, and again, it was just you know, I, I presume everyone has it, and you have it too. You know, something you think something, and then you suddenly see everything in a whole new way. And one of the little phrases which kicked off for me in this process was going, um, "Oh, m maybe the communion, the communion of souls. It's not the communion of souls around God. It's the communion of souls is God, and that as we come into this deep communion with each other." As we, as we make the transition, the language I'm using these days is from individuals to individuals, individuals mm -hmm. who are one with the universe. Right. We come into communion with, and the universe knows itself through us, or the being That's knows it. itself through us. We're coming into a deep communion with, and I wish I had a word for God, because I love the word God, actually, because it goes back in time, but it's also <laughs> difficult, like you said. And, and it feels like the, the only description I can come up with is it, that it's a, a trans a trans imminent spirit because it's or being that, right. it's, that it's transcends but it's imminent it is the whole thing Correct. and the image yeah. i get for the evolution is a bit like well very simplistic but you know i, I this body was once a fertilized egg right and, mm -hmm. the, and it's gone and then it's a body and then a psyche and then it's off in this other right. realm 
right. where it's just and it feels like that's what the universe has done isn't it and you know it doesn't start with this conscious right i know what i'm doing it might get there eventually and, and that we're growing into it and that we are somehow our individuality is key to that process it's not yeah. this is where i differ now from the traditions of the east that i was very involved with when i was younger where the yeah. individuality is seen as in the way yeah right um, and, right and it, is absorbed it's, it's in that key. Yeah. key it's not because the individuality is what allows the oneness to become conscious yeah yeah through, no through I, I would definitely agree yeah no um and there's where Teilhard. so your ideas i don't know if you've read but your ideas are very constant with Teilhard. Yeah. i haven't really no and i, I should <laughs> <laughs> um so i use the word person a lot because like you i mean uh there is something about the distinct person right so um uh, rather than indiv individual always connotes for me something that's uh, separate you know, it can, oh. it can connote something separate and distinct, but I like person because it really means more relational. You know, a person okay. is a relational uh, being. Um, but Teilhard, you know, and here's the interesting thing. Um, there is no universe. I mean, is there, can, how can we talk about a universe apart from a conscious person? Uh, we can't, so we are the universe, right, on the level of self-thinking of, of self-reflective consciousness. That's Teilhard's, you know. What so, say, that, say that again, Ellie. I want to make sure I've got what you just said. I, I'm not sure I did. How can we well, talk? How can, I mean, we talk about the universe as it's something out there, distinct from us, but there's no way to talk about a universe apart from us. There, can, is there not, any not, There's no way we can experience the universe apart from us, for sure. Well, if you don't experience but you it, you could. We can't. We can't. We talk about it. Pre-human, the pre-human universe isn't that coherent to talk about the pre-human? But universe? we're the ones who who have studied pre-human life, right? Sure. So, so we can. We can. Yeah. So it requires us to have done that. But the the thing we're positing there is that there was a time when the universe, what what existed, that the, the the one in relationship to itself, in my language, but the that that relationality was not it wasn't to do with consciousness or concepts or the imagination well, it was yeah, a different right. sort of relationality but that's also our origin as well right so definitely so yes that's the whole point so okay okay i'm, I'm not getting it i don't think i'm getting what you're saying so have another go yeah so that origin right of pre of what we call pre-conscious you know simple molecular life yeah it's our origin Yep. So that's us on a much, you know, that's, that's our life, basically. Oh, you know? I see what you're saying. So we yeah. are the whole thing now, right. of course. What else uh -huh. could we be? Right. And, and, uh, and, and so, so that's, taking, that's all in us. Yes. Notion, right? That the universe, we are the universe yes. now on the level of self-thinking thought. Yes. Um, and we are, in a sense, we are open to this now, this uh, realm of divinity, this realm of absolute, you know, being and love that we name as God. So what, you know, what Raymond Panikar called the cosmotheandric whole, you know, which the is cosmo, a, a- Say that again. The cosmotheandric whole, cosmotheandric. Okay. In other words, cosmos, uh, theos, and anthropos or andros are interlocking realities that cannot be separated. So Panikar says, this is the real Trinity. You know, the whole structure of existence is Trinitarian in this emergent cosmotheandric wholeness. It's never been anything other than cosmo, the, even our 
even our, you know, our anthropo anthropic uh, dimension of this, it goes back, you know, we can trace it back to 13.8 billion years, but it's emergent, right? So the whole thing is an emergent process of interlocking realities. And, um, and it's moving towards something, you know, in and through us, right, into this fullness of cosmotheandric life, which is, you know, yeah. So, so can, I, can I just, um, I, I want to not lose the thing about the newosphere, if, you, if, you, if you're all right with that, Ellie. I'd right. like to take us back to us a second, in the light of everything we've now talked about. So, so one of the uh, questions I wanted to ask you, and also what you thought Teo's position was, or his understanding that he came to, is about uh, life after death. Life after death, yeah. You know, he, he didn't write much about death. In fact, very little. Um, but I that's think... That's interesting. Isn't that interesting? Huh. Yeah, it is, actually. That is, that's, um, that's puzzling, both as a, you know, as a Catholic and also as, as just as a human being. Um, I think it's one of the questions which is pretty important to any philosophy. I think it's an essential question and that... Um, I don't think, quite honestly, how would I put this uh, in a good way? We don't talk about death sufficiently enough right. uh, in a, as an integral component of the emergent you know, process of life itself. Yes. Uh, and yet we know from a biological perspective, death is written through all the layers of evolution that without death, evolution really would not be possible, right? Because we wouldn't have even biologically the resources possible to, for more complex life to emerge. So, so, so his whole thing with the newosphere and all of that, it wasn't anything to do with, it was purely, uh, okay, so that's quite different to me, okay. Yes, right, he, um, even in his essays on the future of man, I mean, he, yeah, not very much, it's not prominent. I mean, the, the subject of death is not prominent. And, and how would other people who have a, you know, a Catholic perspective or any of those perspectives that, that like uh, his, how would they integrate that with an evolutionary or with Teilhard's ideas or just a general yeah, evolutionary idea? I think, you know, I, I've always liked Karl Rahner's notion of death um, as the first act of real freedom. Um, it, sort that, of the, you know, um, in other words, our whole process of life is sort of a, um, a development of who we are, a growing into who we are. And in that moment of death, uh, in a sense, who we are is sort of, you know, it's, it's the beginning of our final, you know, of our final definition of, of life. It's what we leave. It's what we impart. It's what we contribute to the whole, you know, in a sense, by joining with the am, whole. Am I getting the feeling? That here, this old, this me, who's really a kind of secularist, I guess, and you, who I understand as a Catholic, I'm the one who believes in life after death and not you. Is that true? <laughs> no, actually, I do believe in life after death. And I, I think, okay, my whole view on life after death is, I think we, I think God, I think the name God points at ongoing dynamic love of creative life. And that we join in that love in a whole new way. Um, in a way that um, we are we are fully conscious of it. it's a fullness of engaging in conscious love with the ongoing creativity of life. I, I think um, I don't think we ever really see God face. I think God is always the beyond. And so we're always drawn into the we're always we will always be drawn into that dynamism of love. 
And I think just, you know, death is where we are not bound by our limitations or our contingencies or, or our sufferings, you know, that there's a transformation of what we are. But I do think, here's what I want to say is the core of what we are or what we make of our lives in this life is sort of what we then are for the e eternity of our lives. In other words, I think we contribute to the universe and to the whole of cosmic life, that ongoing creativity of life, what we make in our particular lives in this earthly journey. So, um, you know, in other words, the life well lived, how we love, how we forgive, how we live in peace, um, of, it, it shapes our core personality and the contribution of that personality to the whole of ongoing creative life. So it makes a difference how we live. You know, in other words, if death were just um, like the, uh, the next world's going to be a lot better than this one, which is sort of a common way of people, Catholics talk about heaven, like I can't wait to go to heaven because it'd be so much better than here. But heaven is here open to its fullness in God. That's the whole point. Heaven is not another world, you know, like it's not, not like a train station. You go from earth to heaven. But heaven is that openness of earth to that ongoing, to the, to the infinite horizon of love, you know, that is God. And so uh, I think our earthly lives make a huge difference. So it m makes it like every moment, you know, of how we're living in this, in this life. Um, this, I think a lot this is Sorry, yeah. sorry, finish. I was just gonna say it just seems so ironic to me. Um, how beautiful because I want to argue for the existence of heaven to a Catholic. But I want to present it in a new way, maybe. Okay. Um, uh, and see, I have a trouble with that. I get that. I love that. You know, yes. I have real yeah. trouble when I'm looking at a six month year old baby dying of AIDS or, you know, it's like the fullness of your life will count for the like, oh, hang on. What's yeah. The, and right. suddenly it's like none of that works for me. It just, it's, it's, it, 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 and my, my, my experience of the love is, it, it is, it's kind of the, 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 where we're moving to redeems everything. And that the, the, the movement towards it is powerfully redemptive in, 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 in and that's not. So here's a possibility for you, okay. just to try, try out on you. <laughs> okay. uh -huh. I'm going to expand on this newosphere idea quite considerably, it sounds like. I thought it might be yeah. similar, but it's not. Okay, good. What it seems to me has happened is that we've got information on a physical level has given rise to information on a biological level, which has given rise to information on a imaginal level, which is non-physical. Now, obviously, it's linked in with a physicality, but it's primarily not, not physical. And what's happened is a whole non-physical domain of imagination has opened up. So that the, and my experience is, if you go into it, you know, if you take ayahuasca or you meditate or you, you go on journeys, it's huge out there. <laughs> and, yeah. the, and the shamanic experiences, and it's like, yeah. whoa, this is a whole universe in the imaginal. So my, what I'm exploring is, so that's the psyche. Psyche is Greek for soul, as you well know, yeah. I'm sure. So that's the soul. So here I am experiencing the body and the soul. Everyone is always. I'm experiencing a physical realm of the senses and a non-physical realm of the imagination, which I think has arisen from it. So the question about life after death becomes for me a very simple question, which is when this stops and sensation ceases, does the imagination also stop? Or, as seems to be suggested by near-death experiences and all of the traditions that have seen life after death, does actually the imagination, the, the, the dream level of reality, 
has that emerged in such a way that it sustains itself and it doesn't require the lower levels to sustain itself or at least for a period mm. so it's able to continue so that the the idea underlying that is that the 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 heaven has evolved the a, a domain which people experience hundreds of thousands of them in near-death experiences probably bigger than that now um has has itself evolved and if you look at the and what intrigues me if i look at the literature about life after death you can almost see it evolving you you know the the, the collective dream space has itself until now it's just huge and so that then with your point earlier about death being so essential it feels like yeah death once we've got biology death is central to the evolution of species really necessary and really good for the reasons you were saying but it's disastrous for the evolution of individuals it's no good for that and i wonder whether that because through that what's happened is that the universe has evolved onto a level of individuality in which the individual is able to continue evolving and it's not contingent on the level which was actually a, a different a different level of evolution which is a species mm. evolution well what if we were to con what if we were to conceive so there um did that make some sense did i was yeah, yeah. very <laughs> yeah. quick but. no it's interesting um but i think we're limiting death here only to physical death and well, i think that don't you think you just need to start with that it's like i mean the key yeah. thing most of us are concerned about with life is you know when this dies what happens to this yeah i understand but um, all I'm going to suggest is that there's maybe another way to look at death. Okay. Um, and that is, if we look from a, if I were to look from, say, a Christian spiritual perspective, and here I'm going to take Francis of Assisi as just a, key, you know, a case point here. Okay. Um, uh, there's something about, so there's, there's two things I'd bring together here. So when I talk about love, I, I, I get worried that people think, you know, that everything's going to be good. You know, that everything is like, you know, you love me and I love you and life is beautiful. And when in fact, the highest levels of love are just the opposite, right? Um, the highest level of love is really suffering, right? It's suffering for another. It's willing to give one's life for the sake of another. And so um, th there's, there's levels of death in love. I mean, death, if you, if you really move through the levels of love, you're moving through the levels of death, right? We move from the... What yes, you, you move from the death that, of the... Isn't, isn't that a very different concept of, what, of the word death, really? Isn't that an uh, analogy? Well, I'm, I'm, let, me, let me finish. Sorry, I'm uh, sorry. Yeah. It sounded like, really? So, so, that, so you, do, you, do, you do have to... We used to have this saying, you have to die to yourself, right? No. You know, meaning you have to let... You, your, your ego has to, you know, in a sense, let go. Uh, the yeah. transformation of the ego is, in a sense, a, a type of self-death. So Francis had this um, saying, blessed are those who endure the first death, meaning a death of death to the self-isolated ego. He yep. said, for the second death will do them no harm. Meaning that if we learn to die as a way of, in other words, as we die to self, love, love a type of love that heal as healing and transformative of life itself emerges. Um, so, so in a sense, going back to where we began, you know, why is this world so self-isolated, um, so disconnected from one another? It's because we have really lost, I think, uh, an understanding of love and uh, a love 
uh, that includes levels of death and suffering. In other words, I, I can't have, I can't buy up everything from, it's not just all about me and neither is heaven just all about me, right? There is yeah. something about this letting go of self for the sake of other. It's um, that, you know, even Teilhard said, it's beyond the ego we must look, you know, if we are really to attain that fullness of Omega, that's really what he's saying. And that's really, I think, what the best of love is. It's a letting go of self for the sake of otherness, which is a death to self, which means if I learn to die in this life, in other words, I learn to let go all along the way because I live for something more than myself, right? I live in, I live in other than myself because that's really where I begin to find myself, that other being the God within, the God in you, the God among us. So that death itself, and I think we're facing death every single second of our lives, right? There's no, there's no plan here that says, oh, sure, Tim, you have about 30 more years, make the no, best of it, you know? right? right? It's yeah. the next breath. So yeah. we're constantly, we're constantly living yeah. in that suspended moment of death and life. And so every moment, therefore, becomes a decision moment. Like how, you know, we're not conscious of it because we're so automated in our lives usually. But really, it's a, so the whole spiritual life is a training in love, you know, can I really in this moment, let go of my isol, you know, my selfish self, you know, and to, to be there for another, to, to be aware of the sufferings of another, you know, that life is not good for about 2 million, you know, billion people on this planet. Um, and so here's, here's what I worry about, a concept of heaven that becomes something other than earth. Uh, because I don't think, and here's, here's where I think Teilhard really was holding out, that the fullness, if we want to talk about the second coming of Christ, you know, the parousia, yeah. is not some kind of like Jesus riding in on a cloud. It's where earth really is transformed in love, where, you know, there is then that, you know, diaphanous presence of God living through our lives. How? In the way we love, you know, in the way we, our eyes are open to our being in and for one another so that that's so, the full okay so 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 what i'm hearing i i i i, I kind of think let's not get into it it's not important but I, I i still feel that actually you're using an analogy there you know if you say to me do you want to experience the death of your ego and transcend him or do you want someone yeah, to shoot yeah. me? These, are, these are quite different things um, yes. but um and one's an analogy really but but let me just clarify, because I, I completely get that, that, you know, the, and especially maybe from the tradition that you've been involved in, which I, I yeah. had, or I, I nearly became a friar, Franciscan, but it was in the Church of England. But that was a very uh, long time ago. Okay. Very, uh, very, very yeah, young. Friars, yeah. Um, and uh, had a, you know, that was another story. But um, the, what I'm, I think there's, for me, it's more about, it's not going to, I certainly don't think it's about leaving anything behind, um, but it's more about what's real. And then how does it work? Because, you know, I've got this psyche, I'm experiencing it now, and I can go off in it and leave mm -hmm. this behind. It doesn't mean yeah. that this doesn't matter. You know, if I go off into the visionary state right. or whatever, or, to, or into formlessness, or right. you know, in particular, and I'm thinking right now of an experience I had last year of being absolutely catapulted into God, just like nothing but God, just light and no Tim, no world, no, no form. Wow. Just, just mm -hmm. something beyond anything I'd ever experienced. Right. Mm -hmm. But sounds very resonant with what I hear people talking about in, say, near-death experiences when they experience the love light. 
right. or the Tibetan Book of the Dead, where you t they talk about the Tibetan, right. the, the clear light of potentiality. And so it, it's not so much like, oh, it's, we're going to leave this behind. That, I think, is baggage from the past for me. Okay, good. I don't, good. I don't yeah. carry that. Yeah, it's like, yeah you know, good. <laughs> that's just old Christian baggage I haven't got. The, 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 it's more like, how are these levels all related? Yes. And has it, has it blossomed up into this? Right. And are we in... So I would probably take a more uh, Eastern approach here. Yeah. And go, I wonder whether the mechanism for the, the, the evolution has been through many phases, hasn't it? You know, the natural selection is the process for biology. Yeah. It's not the process for the physical universe. That's another form right. of right. selection, but then you get natural selection. And then I wonder whether the process which we're now in is more akin to metempsychosis to the, to yeah. the, the idea of coming into and out of a relationship with a biological sphere. Um, yeah. And not because it's irrelevant, but because almost like you can catapult something up from it and then down and then up and then down. And that this relational aspect is going on between something which can na is now on, an, on a personal or individual journey. Right. And mm -hmm. something which is on a more collective journey. Yeah. No. And in fact, you know, all that you're saying here, it, it, you know, if we go back to what we were talking about before in terms of theogenesis, I mean, it's, it's pretty fantastic, isn't it, that one can have this incredible um, experience of divinity, of divine light this, that's beyond any materiality, and yet you are experiencing it. So there's something about you, you know, for the person, that this, uh, this reality of divine, you know, of, a, of immense, uh, incomprehensible divine light shining, you know, the experience of it, and the fact that you're capable of the experience of it tells us something about, you know, the human person, which again, if we go back to that is God emerging through our, you know, through us. And again, it, I, I've often said, you know, years ago, I once said the greatest mystery is the human person, you know, because there's, some, there's a, that. right. We, we are the mystery. There's a, there's this un, unbelievable, um, you know, openness to what we are capable of. And that, you know, that fullest realization then is, you know, you might say the presence of God and, you know, in our own beingness. So um, all I'm saying, going back to Francis, though, so I think that the mystics had those type of experiences. And, and that is precise. It only, look, there's two ways. Look, if you don't have that experience, life really is very hard, right? I mean, it's just drudgery and treach. I mean, it's just, you know, trying to get up each day and get your leg out of the bed and, you know, and you go, here we go again. And I think a lot, I think it's just dragging through this existence, you know, and hoping. And that's why I think this idea of heaven as another world, like, yeah, I hope it's a lot better than this one because this one really sucks, you know? Um, rather than know that there's something here and this is where I think, you know, I think spirituality, conversion, transformation of consciousness, all these are ways of saying that all that we hope for is already within us. You know, we have the capacity for moreness already at, you know, here. Um, in I like our that, lives. the capacity for it. I think that's, yeah. uh, that, that seems more accurate to me. That yeah. We've got it, like we, we have the capacity to grow into this. Everyone. But we also have to help one another. You Definitely. know, it's just about me right yeah. and so yeah. i think going back us. to what 
physics is telling us. I mean, I mean, I look at this world and I think we have come to a world of radical individualism, you know, that it's just about me and my journey and me and, and, and this God. And the whole point of this, no, there's no you apart from me, right? There's no you. Apart so this is why I've, this is why I'm, I'm trying to introduce this new word, which I mentioned earlier. So you've given yes. me an excuse. So, so I, I, and it feels because words carry power, as you know. So it Absolutely. feels like to me, it looks like, look, the individualism has been a continuation of an evolutionary process that's been going on. Everything's been individuating. So what do you yeah. know? Human cultures have. And previously, we were kind of asleep in the collective, really. You know, people identified with tribes and all of that. And, and then people are now not doing that so much. They've and it's been, it's, there's been a price, but it's also been really, really good. Yeah. And it feels like now we're more conscious, we can start to unividuate. We, yes. can start, we can move from individualism to individualism, whereby we go, oh, my individuality is an expression of the universe. And yeah. I, I just want to add this one other thing, because it seems so key to what you were just saying. It's lovely, because you were talking about Francis, and, <laughs> and, and it took me right back to my mentor, Brother Bernard, who's dead now, mm. who I met, and I was very young. I ran away to this friary, and he became a lifelong friend. And, and, uh. and, and, and I, would, I was, would, would shoot off to the East a lot into non-duality and nothing really exists. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tim, is, <laughs> Tim doesn't really exist or Tim is in the way of the oneness. And he would constantly try and bring me back to the person. And I would think, he just doesn't get it, does he? And I look back now and I go, oh, I didn't get it. He got it. <laughs> <laughs> and he really did. And, he, 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 and I love that about the Christian tradition. It really has this. So, so the, the, what I wanted to add then, was that it feels to me, what, we, what I see from the East, which feels wrong, is the idea in the Tibetan Book of the Dead say that with the love light, you know, if you do survive, if the psyche continues, and when I, say, when I say heaven, I'm not talking about everything's great, I mean the psyche with everything that's entailed. I mean, mm -hmm. lot, like the bardos, in, in, you know, it's like, whoa, there's everything, you know, maybe good, right. maybe not good, may change, but the, the psyche, the soul, and that at the depth of reaching up into the what to consciously know the ground to know the light of potentiality from which it's all come and to enter into that communion which is the completeness of love because it can it's the complete communion that mm -hmm. in the east you get this idea that your job because the individual's in the way is to dissolve into it like right. a drop into an ocean absorption mm -hmm. and and which sounds great until you think about it which means that everything you've all your your own individuality is worthless Whereas it seems to me that the opposite is true, that we enter into it by maintaining our individuality yes. mm -hmm. through it exactly. of this transcendent oneness. Right. So that what happened to me last year I was talking about, my, my attention went fully into that. So in my attention, there was no Tim, there was no world. But when I came back, there was Tim in the world. Right. And that wasn't uh, like, oh, I've lost it. It was like, no, this was the foundation from yeah. what I could for some magic period reach yeah. beyond it. And that right. kind of redeems the whole evolutionary process somehow. Yeah, that's exactly. So you should read uh, Teilhard's um, um, essay on how he, it's called, How I Believe. That's exactly what he thought. Uh, and that's why he, he, he actually, he didn't reject the Eastern religions, but he said they're too acosmic. They're too detached from materiality. There's something about... When we talk about materiality, the particularity of personhood, the particularity of existence, right? This person, this leap, 
you know, there's something about that concrete existence that holds, you know, that, that is open to that fullness. And yet it's, it's the, back to the old problem of the one and the many, right? The one, yeah. you know, right? The one um, is the ground of the many and the many is the ground of the one. And there's this, in, there's this kind of, you know, this paradox, this coincidence of, uh, coincidence of opposites, so to speak. That is precisely because of our particularity, and I, I, I do love Thomas Merton on this. You know, the seeds of our identity lie in God, like God has uttered me from all eternity. You know, this per, this word, you know, expressed in this way, and so you know what Teilhard realized, and and so Teilhard speaks about um, another word he uses for evolution is cosmic personalization, Ooh. that the whole the whole universe is becoming like one transhuman but not in terms of absorption just the opposite the yeah. transhuman is in the diversity of the particular it's it's as if the whole universe is like a stained glass window and every person is a, a brilliant cut of glass that shines the, di the divine light in a particular way and that's the beauty of personhood right that the whole of, of, of divinity is, is radiated through this person in this way for all eternity. You know, it's our contribution to the whole of life in the particularity of personhood. Um, and, and we help, in other words, I think in a sense, going back to the relationality, our job is to help radiate that light in one another, to see, you know, to bring out that good in another person is to love, right? No matter who and what that person is. Um, no matter what their economic status or their language or their culture or their religion or their gender. Um, it's the, there's a beauty of divine light that's, that's seeking to shine through there. And that can only shine through when it's experienced and when it's noticed and when it's accepted. And, and, that, and therefore, to liberate the divine light within the human person is, I think, the beginning of heaven, right? That is the beginning of what our life together will be um, for all eternity, you might say, in this ever ongoing creative love of God. Um, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it's a tiny little thought, but I'll just share it with you. And then I want to just, but um, one of the little things I put in my last book, Soul Story, which was a tiny little thought, but I liked it. And you, I think you might like it because it fits with your desire to root it in this which i really get it was just the feeling of you know if the imagination is heaven if that's what it is and hell but if that's what it is then or the whole, that whole domain then every time we find something beautiful an idea with goodness and we make it real we bring a little bit of heaven to earth exactly that's every time, exactly. Every time we do that Heaven unfolds within, within us. It, it unfolds in the now, right? Yes. It's not a future reality. It's a, it's a present reality unfolding in the way we awaken to, yeah. um, you know, the good, the love within us. Yeah. The love within us. And, and Tiad has had, um, I mean, so I first I want to say that I, I, and I have read a little bit of his work I, a long time ago. And, and my feeling <laughs> is that the way things work, I don't know if this is right, but I think it probably is that actually because we are one and because the psyche is also actually one the newest theorem maybe is is because it is that when when people think thoughts they make it easier for people to think the same thoughts later and and my sense always i have the same thing with whitehead who i also didn't study until after <laughs> and 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 uh is oh right and i and it's strange because i feel some real affection for these 
men in this case. A real, I, just to see their pictures, I just feel like, oh, thank you so much for, for doing all that thought. And then I'm sure I've been able to stumble into something similar because because <laughs> you just cleared a way for me and I could just wander yeah. in and, and it was well, much Well, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in quantum entanglement. So uh -huh. I think their, their ideas, uh, in other words, the energy of their ideas is still present in the universe. So and as we, you know, as we read them, we become entangled with their ideas. And therefore, you know, even if we don't read them, there's something about this deep interconnectedness that's, Absolutely. you know, that's awakening in us. And so I do think that there's, you know, this idea of entanglement, you know, that even though we're separated by they're dead, we're here, so to speak. And, you know, or they're on that side of the world, we're on this side of the world, that there's something that's, um, you know, almost like mirror neurons, so to speak, you know, it's, it's emerging in me because it's already thinking in you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. I think that that's what, that's for me, what the imaginals or the newest fear, that's, that's the level, like on the yeah. quantum level, it's there, but it's on this, on the, on the psychic level as well. And what I right. love about it is that in my direct experience, it's non-local. I mean, where is it? Correct. Where it's I think this idea, I'm already yeah. in a non-local domain mm -hmm. in which I feel connected to my dead mum. She's just over there. She's right exactly. close to me always. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm connected with my daughter who is physically close over there, but, but mm -hmm. I, I just know if something's not right and all of that. And now we're connected. And then what exactly. I love about this idea of time accumulating rather than passing is it means they're all in me and now you're in me and I'm in you. Right. We, we, this has happened. Right. And therefore that entanglement that you talked about so lovely grows and grows and grows. And with it, yep. something beautiful is emerging. Right. No, really. It's amazing. Yeah. So, right. well, it's been a delight to have this conversation. Yes. One, other, one, one little thing to, to end with. What do you think is the impact now in, your, in the community that you witness of Tia and these ideas? Do you think they've, you know, because he obviously had a hard time in his life with these ideas. Um, it, yeah. What do you, you know, and but these, I mean, I think one of his quotes was read out of the marriage of. Oh, um, yes, right. <laughs> and, um, and, and, uh, Megan, Megan, and uh, Megan, Harry. yeah, whatever. Yeah. And, uh, but, I mean, um, and what a quote it is. I mean, just. Oh, yeah, it's a great oh, quote. Yeah. No, I think, you know, Teilhard wrote, he was very, he was proleptic in his thinking and he was, you know, prophetic and, and uh, totally, I think, um, misunderstood by, by many, many people. But I think we're coming into the Teilhardian century. Um, and I think as we, as we begin to realize our systems don't really work anymore, um, our religious um, institutional systems, you know, are a little bit uh, stifled by, um, you know, Greek metaphysics still. And um, I think as we awaken to the need to reconcile science and religion, I think Teilhard's ideas will become more and more rooted um, in us. And, you know, I keep working to try to develop a vision, you know, a vision of the whole. And um, I, ha I think in time, it will catch on, really. I, I think every evolution takes time, right? Evolution, and so the exactly what it takes. <laughs> right? An evolution of a vision doesn't happen like in a week or a month. And we're so used to, we have built a modern world of efficiency. And, you know, we expect things to happen, you know, like McDonald's time. You know, I want to yeah, drive. Yeah, yeah. It just doesn't work that way. And so we have education. And know that we're participating in something that's so much more than ourselves, you know, but our, by our own thinking processes, um, the engagement of ideas, of the, you know, trying to grapple with, you know, the meaning of things. Um, that's all part of evolution on our, and now on this level of homo sapien life. And I think it's the most engaging type of work and the creative work that's necessary. 
I think we can't just resign ourselves to, well, the systems are failing and I just better <clears throat> go have a party because <clears throat> we may all die tomorrow. <clears throat> the virus is gonna take us over and there it is, all downhill. I think these are all signs, you know, signs of something, you know, Taylor would read this pandemic as a sign of a breakthrough. Something is trying to break through into our world. And I think that's what we're talking about here. What is that breaking through, you know, in terms of consciousness, life, love, interconnectivity, relationality. Um, and so that's what we're about, you know, is trying to bring meaning to that. And in time, I do see, um, I see either religion will have to shift, make a major shift um, and take on, you know, in other words, to use terrorist terms, a science charged with faith, you know, that science is no longer out, you know, roaming the streets on its own, but now is brought into a, a deep, you know, integrative field of knowledge with religion. Uh, or as Tyrod would say, we're just going to kill ourselves, basically. And we, we can do that. We can really kill planetary life and do a great job. I always think, you know, the rest of the world, the, and the rest of nature will say, thank God they're out of here because those humans really messed us up big time. You know, so nature will go on. <clears throat> God has infinite time. You know, God is timeless time. So um, from the point of God, it's like, fine you know they messed it up Let's i do i do hope not it feels such a shame you know to have got this far i think that I a lot i mean when I, read, I mean you look at physics or something today and we know so much and you just think yeah i agree i agree this. but look the there's also universe been has come to such a state of knowledge of itself it, just for it to go oh no we just messed it up it's gone yeah no but look at there's been great great cataclysmic events in evolution of course I mean, yeah of course i get extinctions you know so the yeah, culvert yeah, course, does and yeah. You know, great cataclysmic events. There's, there's nothing that says, no, "Hey, there will be no. right? So I think the onus is on us. We Me really too. got to get our act together. We've got to get our heads out of the clouds. Um, we've got to get. You know, um, Taylor thought religion is the vital energy. You know, he he saw evolution as multi-dimensional, and you know, the inner dimension of evolution is religion, not in the institutional sense, but as that energy that binding energy, that tethering, what tethers us, you know, what are we oriented toward? You know, that's what he meant by that, that religious dimension of evolution. And we've got to get back to that. You know, I, I, I do. I do. It does feel like religion's not a word I particularly use, but I know exactly what you mean. And, yeah, and not just spirituality, no, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, whatever word doesn't really matter. You could talk about the same thing. Right. But, yeah. Is that is that yeah? The, for me, the transition, the the next transition from individuals to individuals, however you see that, yeah. spirituality is absolutely key. In my own feeling, having lived in the spiritual world of different spiritual worlds for since I was a kid for you know yeah. decades and decades and decades, right. is that spirituality is just not up to it, and I would like to do my best before I go to get it up to it because it, yeah. it feels we need a trans scientific spirituality. Right. We do. We need to, to bring be bigger than it, include it, and then play this role. And, exactly. And, and when I, uh, I when I ended I ended my TED talk last year in Berkeley, with, with thinking, imagine taking someone from four hundred years ago when science was just being born, and yeah. show them this. Yeah. Well, um, I think the transition that can happen with a trans scientific spirituality could have an even bigger impact. It could yep. be, that's why I love that quote from Tia. That we, when we discover the power of love, yeah, then we'll have discovered. Then it will be like discovering fire. I mean, that is yeah. like wow, and that yeah. feels like this is that's why this matters. I agree totally, hundred percent. It's a favorite saying of mine as well. Is mine too? Isn't it beautiful? <laughs>
And I, I always think, you know, that's what I want to be. I want to be a new fire on this earth. You know, I want to be, I want to set the world ablaze. Yeah. So there's so. one last story I want to just check out with you. I don't know if you know it, but I just thought it'd be a nice place to draw a conversation to an end. Um, sure. I, I, it, which is, um, I, I think it was Jean Houston told the story. Was it? And which she'd met him when in, 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 a, in New York Park when she was very small, had no idea who he was, mispronounced right. his name, found out that all later. Yeah. And she asked him, who are you? And he said... I'm a pilgrim from the future. Yeah. And that really, like, oh, that really resonated with me. Yeah. And it just feels like, well, yeah. here we are after the man's death, both of us, it sounds like, trying to do the same thing. Yes. Creating this thing which he was a prophet for. Um, Absolutely. So ahead of his time. Yeah. And, um, and that's a that's lovely thing. Yeah. A pilgrim from the future. How, I, how, love I love that. I love that thing. Yeah. Good note to conclude. We'll be pilgrims of the future to get extremely yeah. entangled. Bring in the fire <laughs> of love. Excellent. <laughs> Great. It's All been right. such a delight to um, spend this yeah. time with you, Elia, and to Bye. enjoy your, your soul and your and it's been beautiful. Thank you Bye. so much. Bye. It's wonderful to meet you. Great. All right. All right. I'll be in touch. God Peace. bless. Okay.